This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I want to speak this morning on something that I've titled, Unless You're Born, You'll Never Walk. I know you have no clue what that means, but that's really the intention. Because what it means is if you don't pay attention throughout, you're really not going to know what it means. And you'll leave here saying, what on earth was he babbling about all day? I think what's important is this. What I, I want to touch on today is some really important fundamentals about the way that we operate with God and the way that God chooses to operate with us. God loves us so very much that he has created an opportunity for us to have direct contact with him. And when we have direct contact with him, what he wants to do is he wants to take who he is and the fullness of who he is. He wants to take his love and he wants to take grace and he wants to flood our life with it. And the thing is, he's not leaving that to any other device, any other individual, any other opportunity. He wants to do it himself. And so it introduces us to the concept that God wants to have relationship with us in a meaningful way. We touch on certain points and we've been talking about them over the last number of months. But in essence, you are a spirit being. But you're not just spirit who just wanders around, but you have the ability to be able to define who you are. God's given you a thing called a free will. And in the context of a free will, you get to choose who you are. You get to, de- to, to decide what defines you. The thing about having the opportunity of self-definition is that it comes with the responsibilities and the consequences of what we decide. So it becomes really important. The thing is, as a spirit being, we have a capacity called a mind. It's the ability to be able to think, to process, to make decisions, to feel, to decide. All of those things are governed. It's a governing entity. It gives us the access to those things. God doesn't have a brain. Because God's not a physical being. Brain is a physical entity. So when we talk about the brain, invariably what we're talking about is we're talking about the natural realm. We're talking about that governing entity which governs your body. Nothing happens in your body without your brain telling it what to do. So your brain is very distinct to your mind. Your mind is really important. And part of what I'm going to bring out in this presentation and what we've been looking at over the last number of months is the fact that God repeatedly speaks about your mind. He speaks about the natural man, but he'll talk about your mind. Anytime he's talking about our mind, I used to think that it was talking about my brain. And so I used to get confused because I used to think God was talking about what I was thinking. God's really, his focus is not what you're thinking. God's focus is your identity and who you are. God's focus is the the building blocks of your identity, which is your beliefs. What he's saying is, I want you to look like Christ. Every part of us and and every part that we live from that defines our entity should be built of him. It's called faith. Faith is taking the substance of who he is and building it into who we are so that it becomes something which begins to define and becomes the root of beliefs in our life. The reason that it becomes important is because when Jesus looks at us and he looks at the way that we behave and the way that we live and the way that we interact with people, what he wants to do is sit and say, you know what? That's my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. It has nothing to do with who I am. It has to do with who he is through me. That's what he's looking for. How are we defined by that? What's important today and what I want to really begin to focus on is the idea that your purpose in life is inextricably linked to your destiny. Your purpose in life is linked to and is birthed out of who you are. And until we reach the point where we allow God to define who we are and we allow that to evidence it in our lives, we never really step into purpose. What we think is purpose is not one and the same thing. John 3 verses 1 to 7, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a man is born of the water and born of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say unto you, you must be born again. 
all of us are going to go through life, and as we travel through life, you're going to have opportunities to encounter something. Just leave that up, please. To encounter something called a defining moment. A defining moment is a pivotal point in your life where it runs the opportunity to be able to recalibrate who you are and what you're all about. When we talk about a defining moment, we're not talking about your brain. We're not talking about your knowledge. I'm not talking about your content. I'm not talking about your understanding. I'm talking about your mind. I'm talking about the essence of your spiritual being. God is always looking to connect with us in terms of who we are. He doesn't want to come and connect with our brain. He wants to come and connect with our mind. He's not interested in, in in engaging you from a natural capacity he engages us spiritually spirit to spirit deep calls unto deep and so we need to become aware of the fact that not only am i a spirit being but my capacity and my ability to be able to relate to god and interact with god my ability to be able to understand who he is and allow him to have influence in my life is going to be squarely um, rested upon my mind the spiritual part of who i am when I'm talking about a defining moment, we're talking about an opportunity for growth. An opportunity for growth. Part of the challenge that Nicodemus had is Nicodemus came to meet with Jesus, but Jesus, he came to meet with Jesus in his brain, and Jesus was interacting with him from the mind. And so the challenge with it was they were talking different languages. Nicodemus was talking natural language, and Jesus was talking spiritual language, and they were talking at odds with one another. We miss God sometimes because what ends up happening is we try to engage God with our brain as opposed to our spirit. We try to get him in the natural realm as opposed to recognizing the fact that the essence of who I am spiritually is my mind and God is looking to connect with who I am. And when we're able to meet God in that space, we have a meaningful interaction and, and things happen. Part of the challenge that Nicodemus had was the fact that he was on a separate plane to Jesus and everything that Jesus was saying to him, he was not an understanding. His perceptions of it were different because he was on a different realm to where Jesus was. There are times in our life where we come to a point where, and we have to come to this place where we have this epiphany. We have what we call a revelation. We get to that point where we recognize the fact where we have an aha moment. It's suddenly, it's like, you know what? I've dropped from my head. I've dropped from my brain. I've dropped from the natural. And all of a sudden something happened in my life, which, which was spiritual. And when that happens, you've just had a, a, a significant moment in your life. It happened to Peter when Jesus said, who do people say that I am? Everybody else spoke about, well, we heard this and we saw that and people have been talking about this. Everybody else responded from the natural realm, from their brain. Peter said, no, that's not who you are. He said, you are the Christ. Where did he get that? Jesus said, you're blessed. Why? Because what you got never came from your brain. It came from your mind. You never received this from, from everywhere else. You got this from the Father. That's why he was saying you were blessed. Because Peter got to a place where he recognized the fact that he was able to engage with God at a spiritual level. And when he got something from God, Jesus said, you got it. You got it. You got the essence. On this rock, I'll build my church. What he's saying is when you understand how to engage spiritual things, when you understand how to relate to God in a spiritual dimension, when you're able to communicate with him in that realm, what ends up happening is you've just established a, an ability to be able to move your life forward in a spiritual way. Paul had the same thing. Paul thought that he was so fabulous and he was so educated and he was so versed in all of the things of God. And then he's driving along on his donkey one day and he gets knocked off and all of a sudden he has an encounter. Everything that he had done up until that point was from his brain. It was all about his understanding of the things of God. But in that moment, all of a sudden, he actually encountered God. And when he encountered God, he recognized everything of the brain is worthless. It's not about the natural realm. I've just had this epiphany. I've just had this moment of revelation. I've just come face to face with Christ. I entered something spiritual and it changed me. It's a defining moment. As long as we're living and trying to interact and understand God in our brain, we'll never have that moment. I want you to know God will always create opportunities and seed your life with the potential to step into a defining moment. A defining moment is about change and turnaround. Romans chapter 8 verse 6, to be carnally minded. What he's saying is, I've created you as a bridge. 
As a, when, when God created man, he breathed into his body the breath, the spirit of life, and man became a living soul. What he's saying is man as a mind straddles two areas. It's kind of like a bridge. Man is sitting there as a mind, and he's a bridge. On this hand, he has access to spiritual things. And on this side, he has access to the brain and all the natural stuff. And he's sitting in that paradigm. And something is going to influence the bridge. Where is it coming from? The bridge isn't born into the world complete. It's born empty. It's given definition as a result of what we, what we worship, what we ascribe worth and value to. And so it re- becomes really important because he's concerned about your mind. He's concerned about your identity. He's not talking about your thinking. Remember, anytime you see mind, substitute the word identity. To be defined by the natural is death. But for your identity and who you are to be defined spiritually is going to be life and peace. What he's saying is you have the opportunity. You're going to have the prerogative of being able to choose who you are and what you're all about. Never leave a defining moment to chance. It doesn't just happen. If you're interested in the things of God, go searching. Go searching. Nicodemus came to Jesus. He was like, there's something I see about you. There's something I recognize about you which transcends other people. I want to know more about it. Tell me some more. When you're in pursuit of God, God will meet you. When you're searching for the things of God, God will meet you. Ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. You have to be at a place where you're hungry for the things of God. If we're not hungry for the things of God, most of the, 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 the spiritual religious hierarchy of the day miss Jesus. They miss Jesus because they weren't interested. They had predetermined ideas as to who, he, who the Messiah would be and what he would be like. And because they lived from that realm, they had a perspective on, on spiritual things. And because he didn't conform to their perspective, they rejected him. Go searching. There is a place, there is a better place for you beyond where you are. It doesn't matter where you are today. I want you to know something. God has got you on a journey and he's moving, he's moving you to a better place. The place that he's moving to is going to be a place that's defined in him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What he was saying was this. I am the way. There is no other way to get to the Father. If you want to know the author, if you want to know why things happen the way they do, if you want to know the, the, the ins and outs of life and how things happen, if you want to discover who you are, you're going to have to get to the author. The only way to get to the author is through me. I am the way. But he says, I'm also the truth. We take for granted in our day and age how important truth is. Truth is so important because truth will establish you on a foundation of confidence. One of the biggest challenges that we have in the world today is subjective truth. Well, what would you like to be? We have the prerogative to define ourselves. The problem with it is when you allow me to define myself, inherently within myself, I know I might be right and I might be wrong. I don't know. I'll give it a shot. There's no confidence in it. Why? Because I don't know that it's necessarily true. It might be how I feel right now, but the thing about it is if I look at my history, I've changed my mind. Jesus says, you know what? You won't change your mind with me. He's unequivocal. He says, I am truth. I'm offering you a solid foundation. When you allow me to take the things of who I am and invest them in who you are, you will become something different and you will be introduced to truth. You will live off truth. You'll be defined by truth and the way that you live will be defined by truth. You can accept me as in confidence and live from that place knowing that you're living from truth. I'm the life. Nothing else gets born but by me. You want to become a new person? You want to behave differently? You want to live differently? You want to experience fullness of life? You want to experience peace? You want to experience joy? You want to experience life that is victorious? I'm the one who births it. There is nothing that's birthed outside of me. There is no life outside of him. You can try to imitate it. You can try to mimic it. And you can try to understand it so it gives you a formula to try and live by it. But you can't produce life. There is a better place for you beyond where you are. God is interested in transforming our identity to influence our reality. 
What he's saying is this, I know that you're the bridge. I designed it that way. And when the bridge comes to the place where they recognize that everything of significance and every, everything of value, everything of truth and everything that's going to introduce me to the fullness of who he's designed me to do comes from him, I'll make an intentional switch in my life where I'll sit and say, I'm not going to be naturally defined. I'm understanding that my brain is a tool for engaging the natural, but I'm intentionally setting my mind. The spiritual essence the, the defining of who I am on him. Allow who you are to define who I am. He set something up so that who you are defines how you live. I'll give you an example of that in, in a minute. God is not confined to our thought box or our realities. Perceptions are not truth. And very often they trap us in limitations. The challenge with living from our brain is that we have a look at our experience. We have a look at what's happening around us. We have a look at how we engage with things and we form perceptions of reality, perceptions of life, perceptions of people, but most importantly, perceptions of myself and perceptions of God. Very often what ends up happening, I move to a place where I think, well, God is just upstairs with a big stick disciplining me every time I step out of line. I've got a perception and if that perception defines what I believe, it puts me at a place where I'm at odds with God. Wow. He can't do some stuff in my life because I'm resisting. Because wow. I don't trust you. I have to be really careful if I move into that place to become aware of the fact that anytime I allow who I am and the essence of my being to be defined by my brain, I'm opening my, uh, myself up to risk. Because it's based on the premise that your perception is accurate and your perception is right. And if it's not, you're going to let something in that starts giving definition to who you are, but it's outside of him. And God's like, how can two of us walk together when you've been defined by this and I'm trying to be defined by this? The thing with it is I'm rooted in truth and you're not. I'm not changing. What are you going to do? I've got a choice to make. Second Corinthians 5 verse 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. We can never walk into the fullness of what God has, has for us unless we become more comfortable and we become more adept at recognizing the fact that the way that he operates is from him and not the natural. Anytime we are comfortable living from our brain as opposed to living from relationship with him, we become Christian scientists. You know what a Christian scientist is? A scientist is somebody who always wants to have a look. It must be measurable. It must be tangible. It must be accessible. I must be able to quantify it. I must be able to qualify it. It's, it has to be present. But the things of God are not present. Call those things that be not as though they are. And so there is a reality to who God is. It's very different to what I'm, the, my, the, the disposition and the place that I find my, my life in right now. But if all that I ever do is allow that to give definition to who I am, I'll only ever live in the present. I'll never live in God's design. There's something else that's important about this sentence. We walk by faith and not by sight. What he's saying is this. What is the source of your life? Whatever the source of our life is, if it's from what I see and my, my senses, it's going to come through my brain. If I attached to relationship with God, it's going to come from him. Both of those avenues are going to deliver substance into my life. Substance. It's that substance that informs my beliefs and gives definition to how I think and how I feel and how I behave and how I live. The thing about it is when I walk into circumstances and situations, most people are carnal. So what ends up happening is I'm defined by my world and all I have to introduce into that circumstance or that situation, all I have to introduce into that relationship is what I know. But when you define by God, what I have to introduce into a circumstance and a situation is what's of him. That brings about change. I don't bring about change the way that he brings about change. Nicodemus was drawn to Jesus because he brought heaven to earth. No one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. There was a side to Nicodemus that had a look at the life of Jesus and he was attracted and he was drawn to the life of Jesus because you were different as a person. You lived in a natural realm, but you weren't limited to the natural realm. You lived in the natural realm, but you had understanding beyond the natural realm. You lived in the natural realm, but you had the ability to bring about change and transformation in the natural realm. What's important is this. Anything we can do is not a miracle. 
Anything you can do is not a miracle. A miracle is quite easily defined by something which is given life from the spirit realm. God can do some stuff that we can't do. And when God does some stuff, that's when people stand back and they go, that's amazing. Are people amazed at your life? Thank goodness they are, hey? Well, both of us agree on that one. Don't confuse the miraculous for the spectacular. What's important is this. The most important work that God does in your life is not visible to anybody else. He makes you a brand new creation and he comes and he puts his life on the inside of you. That's the most important thing that ever happens in your life. Everything is secondary to that. It's the most important thing and it's a spiritual reality. It's a miracle that happens. The thing with it is we're always looking for miracles because we want people to be healed and we want the sun to um, go black during the day and we want, to, we want all of these things to happen so that everybody becomes aware of the fact that something dramatic has happened. I'm not opposed to those things and I think that they, it's, it's, it's important to have an appetite for those things and I think that they're really important because what they do is they make a statement to the world because I can't do a miracle but God can. All I'm suggesting is this. Don't limit God's influence in our life to the spectacular. God wants to do something in your life and he wants to change who you are so that you're not the person that you once were. Not only has he created opportunity for you to become a brand new creation in Christ, but because the spirit of God lives on the inside of you, he wants to walk with you. He wants to interface with you. He wants to have relationship with you. And as the two of you move together, what he's doing on a regular basis is he's transforming you into the image of Christ. That's a miracle in and of itself. If you knew me years ago, if you knew me from last week, you'd be shocked and you'd be like, thank heavens for the Holy Spirit. He's doing some stuff inside of us. He's doing some stuff through us. The thing is when he begins to work and he begins to act, the reason that he's doing that is because he has a purpose and a plan at play. We'll miss our defining moment if we're searching in all the wrong places. Nicodemus addressed Jesus as the rabbi, the teacher, not the Messiah. It gave context and it gave focus. The way that we approach Jesus becomes really important. Do you see him as savior or do you just see him as the Jesus from the Bible? Because it gives context and it gives focus. The one context is spiritual. The other focus is natural. The one focus is the brain. The other focus is the mind. God's not going to transform your brain. Uh, sorry, uh, your brain. Yes, he's not. That's your responsibility. It's like your body is your responsibility. He'll give you the authority to do that, but we're going to have to take charge of it and bring about change. The thing is, God doesn't bypass us and just jump forward and start changing our brain. He changes our mind, and as we change our mind and the essence of who we are, we become something different and we be become empowered to do some other stuff. God's language is a sense of knowing. If we, Galatians 5.25, if we live in the spirit, we'll also walk in the spirit. What he's saying is this, spiritual language is different to natural language. The way that God speaks to us is with a sense of knowing. Mark chapter 5, I think it's like verse 30, and, and what's happening is he's walking along and a woman with the issue of the blood, a woman with the issue of blood touches him and all of a sudden she gets healed and he stops and he said, knowing that virtue had gone, gone out of him, knowing that virtue, what he's saying is it's not something that came to my brain. It, that never happened. Spiritually, he was so in tune with where he was and what he was about. She touched and all of a sudden there was something spiritual that happened in the situation that brought about transformation. And he stopped because he's had a sense of knowing something's gone out of me. It's an awareness. It's a spiritual awareness. When he was amongst the, um, the Pharisees and they were all talking about him. And it says, knowing their thoughts. It's not something that he got from the brain. What ended up happening is there was an impartation spiritually. There, spiritually, he just had a sense of knowing about stuff. The thing about it is when we talk about it being the language of God, we are so accustomed to taking ideas and wrapping them in language and then expressing them from one person to another. The thing about it is God doesn't need language in order to do that. 
God can take an idea and he can spiritually impart it. Have you ever had a feeling where you're going along with something and you're doing something and suddenly somebody just comes to you and you think, I really need to phone them. It's an impartation. It's a sense of knowing. It's not something that came from your brain. It's something that came from on the inside of you. That's how God speaks to us. Do you ever, you, you, you weighing up different options and you're looking at something and suddenly you just have a sense of knowing on the inside of who I am. I, I don't know why, I can't tell you. There's no rational reason as to why we should make this choice as opposed to that one. I, I just, I know that's not the right way to go. What's happening? I'm having a sense of knowing. God's language is a sense of knowing. And so what he's inviting us into is to understand that when we move into relationship with God, with God, to become more sensitive to his languaging, to become more sensitive to what's happening on the inside of me, because he's not going to use words, but I'm going to become sensitive to a sense of knowing. Nicodemus came searching for understanding when Jesus offered him life. All too often we approach Jesus or, or spiritual things from our brain and we try to understand them. And if you'll just hold on in that place and you'll just wait a little bit, what you'll find is at some point the Holy Spirit's going to grab a hold of you and he's going to take some stuff and he's going to start to do some stuff on the inside of you. But until we reach that point, all we really have is understanding, which feeds our brain. We don't have life, which is a transformation of my mind. It's being conformed to the image of Christ. We look to discover God in our understanding when he's looking to introduce himself through relationship. Faith is a sense of knowing. Let Christ dwell in your hearts by faith. What he's saying is, every time we make a discovery as to who Christ is and what he's all about and what he has available to us, every time we make a discovery about grace, there is an opportunity for us to be defined by that truth, by that reality. And when the Holy Spirit takes that and he imparts that to us, I know it on the inside of me. Don't ask me to rationalize it. I can give you scripture and verse. I can give you everything else. The problem with it is I can't give you the life of it. You've got to get that for yourself. You have to have that sense of knowing on the inside. I just know that this is right. I know this is the truth. It becomes important because God is not only establishing the building blocks to who we are, but he's equipping you for purpose. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12. Now we have received... We have received. So you've got something. Got Who are you? Who received it? Me. Who's me? My identity, my brain. I mean, my mind. Your mind. <laughs> Not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. I know that you're a bridge. I know that you're the mind. So I'm going to make this even clearer for you. This is God talking. I'm going to make it really simple so that you actually go the right way. Don't lean to the spirit of the world. Don't lean to your brain. Lean to the spirit of God. That we might know a sense of knowing, sense of knowing the things that have been freely given to us by God. The things that have been freely given to us by God are not going to come to your brain. Your brain does no good to establish them. He wants you to have a sense of knowing. What he's saying is, I'm calling you to live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Why? Because when I become aware of the fact that I don't just want to know about God, but I'm looking for the substance of God to begin to change who I am. I'm looking for a sense of knowing. If you want to know practically what that is, it's faith. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing the rhema of God. Every time he puts an impartation in, anytime he takes a part of who Christ is and rede redefines who I am, every time I can get rid of my anxiety and I step into peace, what's just happened? He's imparted something to me that, that I'm not just understanding. I know it. I don't just want to have peace in here. I want to have peace through my knowing. I want to experience it. God's intention is that you experience God. Not just know about God. You'll know about God in your head and you don't have to be born again to know about God. There are plenty of philosophers. You can take any philosophy course at universities and many of those people who instruct those are not born again. They can give you scripture and verse probably more than I know about stuff. But it's all in here. There's no sense of knowing. It doesn't matter what's in your head. It's not the focus of, of Christ. Well, the natural man, the brain, 
Rafi, you are on the ball today. The natural man, the brain, doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish and astored to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You get them through a sense of knowing. There's no point telling uh, uh, your, your brain the, the way that God behaves and the way that God lives and the way that God interacts. Because the challenge with it is our brain doesn't understand that. Our brain doesn't want to live by faith. Our brain doesn't want to take those things that be not and walk into them. Our brain wants to say, give me the reality of it. Where is it with my senses? Can I see it, feel it, touch it, taste it? Where is it? Because if I don't have it, it's not real. I don't understand the things of God. The Mona Lisa was the fruit of an artist. What I mean by that is this. There is no life in theories. Artists are born. I loved creativity and I loved art. And so all through, through um, my years at school, and I even took some courses in college, I wanted to study and understand more about art. And in studying and trying to understand about art, I had some teachers who were artists and I had other teachers who were theorists. The thing about people who are theorists is they can tell you all the principles of art. They can explain to you the importance of putting together a balanced piece or a balanced work. They'll speak to you about the importance of making sure that you have a focal point. They'll speak to you the importance of color, of light. They'll speak to you about balance. They'll create all the principles for you and they will know all the principles. They can tell you everything that you need to know. They will be able to define for you down to the very last point. Every bit of understanding that you need to create a masterpiece. But you know what? They can't draw a stick man properly. You know why? Because great works of art are born of artists, not theorists. If you're not born an artist, you don't see it. I can't create it. I have the theory, I got it, but I can't paint the Mona Lisa. It doesn't matter how many art schools I've been through. I can't do that because it's not just innately a part of who I am. Creative people see stuff that other people don't. Why? Because it's part of who I am. Creative people move into spaces and they say, oh, I wonder what could happen here. What if we did that? And what, if it, what? Creativity is coming into play. Why? Because it's who I am. It's not what I know. If you don't have it, it can't be manufactured. If you're not born creative, it's n you're not going to have it. We all have our stuff. But if you want to be an artist, you've got to be born it. You will never become a great artist through theory. Because you don't feel it. It's not alive on the inside of you. Artists will look at a canvas and they'll look at a piece of stone. And before they ever paint the painting or make the sculpture, it's a, they can see everything. I'm not here creating something. It's already been created. I'm here taking the creation that's alive on the inside of me and giving it form. That's what an artist does. If you're not an artist, you can't create an artist. It has to be born. An artist is who I am. It's not what I know. That's why the things of God are born of God. Because unless you are born a God, unless you are a son of God, the problem with it is I know all about it, but there's no sense of knowing. I don't know it. It's not alive on the inside of who I am. I don't walk into spaces. I don't engage with different things. And I have a sensing of this is good. This is peaceful. This is right. This needs change. Ooh, what is that I just saw about myself? Why? Because he's on the inside of me and he's doing some stuff on me and he's birthing some stuff in me. And what he births on the inside of me is going to introduce me to the potential of what can be created through me. I can't do it by trying to circumvent him. I can't do it by manufacturing it. Anytime I try to manufacture or produce the things of God, I default to my brain and then I become religious. I become religious. I'm trying to do the good, the, the good things. I'm trying to look like a good person. I'm trying to be kind. That's a problem with all the whole, I understand, be kind to people. And I'm a big fan of kindness. You can be kind, but you can't love. That's the problem with it, because it's not who you are. 
It has to be birthed on the inside of me. Romans 8 verse 28 and 29. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God. Who loves God? I love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. Whose purpose? For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. This this scripture is so fabulous. You know why? Because what it does is in a very intimate way, it links together your identity with your purpose. God's talking about his purpose. What he's saying is, I have plans and purposes. They are my purposes. But my purposes are inextricably linked to being conformed to his image. Why? How does it work? And what what is that all about? My identity is birthed, but I walk into my purpose. What I mean by that is this. What, what, What the Holy Spirit does on the inside of me is it takes the things of Christ and he births them inside of me. And as he begins to redefine who I am as a result of what he births on the inside of me, it changes who I am. I'm becoming the artist. And all of a sudden, because I'm becoming the artist, what's happening is my senses are shifting and changing. I never used to see things before, but all of a sudden I'm starting to see some stuff. Why? Because the substance in my life is changing. And when the substance of my life begins to change, I begin to see like my substance. And all of a sudden, I recognize things that shouldn't be as they are. And I'm thinking, well, let's call them something else. Let's call them something different. Let's call about change. What's happening? I'm being introduced to purpose all the time. Sometimes we think I'm just called to do some great thing and I'm looking for the great thing. And what I'm proposing to you is this. Great things start in steps. Do you think Mother Teresa got the the kind of accolades and recognition she did as a result of waking up one day and everything was there? No, because what ended up happening was the Spirit was doing something in her life and building some things on the inside of her, which made her compassionate and loving because of who he was inside of her. And she began to express that. She saw needs around her and she was like, I can influence this. I can change this. And she started doing things with individuals. And it began to grow. Oh, hold on. I'll cover that in a minute. Ephesians 4, verse 23 to 24. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in your identity. And that you put on the new man, which is created according to God, in in true righteousness and holiness. Ooh, now that's interesting. Because he says two things there. He doesn't just leave it at righteousness. He continues that and he says, and holiness. What he's saying is this. I have a design for what you should be. It's called Christ. And so I want you to step into not only what that looks like, but the fullness of it. That's holiness. Be holy as I am holy. I don't know if I get into this in the next slide. Be holy as I am holy. The reason that holiness is so important is because holiness speaks about completion. It speaks about being at a place where I am whole in who I am. When I am in Christ, I am complete in him. When I get born again, the spirit of God comes on the inside of me and my spirit man is created brand new and the spirit of God takes up residence. All of a sudden I have the incarnational reality is what they call it. It means God is living with me. God is living with me. Not only does he do that, but it says, I will create in you a new heart and I will give you a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone. What is he saying? I want you to be at a place where you're able to live from a sense of knowing. While you were cold and while you were stone, you never had my sense of knowing. But now that who you are is living in a space where I'm living, you can live from that sense of knowing because I'm going to change it so that you can be sensitive to my influence. I'm building ways for you and I to relate to one another. The thing is, when he moves into that space, all of those parts to who we are that are not complete and whole, those things that are kind of baggage from our past, those things that have defined us, those hurts, those dysfunctions, those areas that are incomplete, 
He's saying, I want to move into that space. That's what holiness is all about. Holiness is sitting saying, I'm not complete in this area, but if I allow Christ to come into that area, I will move to completion. I will move to wholeness. I will move to everything. And it begins to change paradigms. To be carnally minded costs me my purpose. Being incomplete or lacking wholeness inspires a purpose that is needs-driven. It's born of me. What happens is this, when I have a space within me where I'm not affirmed and I'm comfortable in my identity, for example, what ends up happening is I go to the world to get my affirmation. And when I go to the world to get my affirmation, I'm very often, what the purpose of what I'm trying to do there is I'm trying to get that place in my life affirmed whole, complete. I'm trying to get it to the place where I can sit and say, I'm living in the fullness of what it means to be affirmed. The problem with it is I'm going to the world as my source as opposed to God as my source. I become, I don't see purpose the way God does. I'm driven by need as opposed to overflowing. Does that make sense? Being whole and complete in him lets me walk into his purpose. One that is influence-driven, it's born of him. Anytime a purpose is is born of me, it's going to be needs-driven. I need something, so my purpose is to get that. And then what ends up happening is I go outside of relationship with him to try and get it in my world. That's why people pursue so many things. They pursue money and they pursue fame and they they pursue um, affirmation and they pursue accolades and they pursue promotion. And they, What are they trying to do? Outside of all of those things, they're parts to who I am that are incomplete, that are not whole. But you know what? If I get this, I'll feel so much better about myself. The challenge with it is it doesn't matter where you go, you're never going to find life outside of him. That's why so many people who get to the end of everything sit and say, I've got it all. My life is good. My life is comfortable, but I'm not complete. Why? I'm not fulfilled. I set as the purpose for my life to become chairman. I set as the purpose of my life to be the best violin player. I set as the purpose of my life to be famous. I set as the purpose of my life. I don't know what it is. But every time I set a purpose for my life, invariably what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to find the fullness of who I am, of what I need out there instead of with him. What ends up happening is when I move to relationship and I allow the Holy Spirit to come into that space, Jesus really becomes savior of everything. And when he becomes savior, what he does is he brings in everything that I need to experience the fullness of life. And when I'm in that place, I deal with situations differently. Why? I walk into spaces with a sense of knowing that I'm comfortable and complete. And the problem, the the opportunity is that I respond to life as opposed to reacting to life. Why did you react? Because they hit a hot button. What does a hot button mean? Something's incomplete. Ooh, something sensitive. What is that all about? When I'm whole and complete, it doesn't mean that I'm a doormat. What it means is I'm able to have a perspective on things which is God-centered. So I can look at circumstances and situations, and in that, in that paradigm, I can have a, a, a God-centered understanding. And as a result of that, it introduces me to purpose. I'm not here to consume from people. I'm not here to consume from circumstances. I'm here as an agent to sit and say, you know what? What can I impart to you? What I can impart to the situation? One of the biggest challenges is marriage. Oh, it is because you know what? We think I love this person so much. What we really mean is I'm a cannibal. And really what I like about you is that you fill all my holes. And what ends up happening is we marry for a period of time and then you're not filling all the holes the way you're supposed to do that. What's happening here? Maybe we're just growing apart. You're not growing apart. You're waking up. When God moves to, to the paradigm of love, God moves into that space where he says, you know what? Understand this. I'm making a covenant with you. What he's saying is I take that seriously. And so what it means is, I don't need anything from you. I'm here because I love you. And we treat him like trash. Think about how many, how, before you were born again. You didn't care about God, what God wanted, what God, we didn't care. He didn't scribble us and say, I want a divorce. Why? 
because I'm full and complete in myself, and I see you're just a hurting person. I see you're a person with big deficits and dysfunction. You're a person who's been raised without my influence in your life. And so you embrace things that are just not right, and you live from those spaces. And because you live from that place, you behave the way you do. But in my fullness, I can accept you and love you. And I will always be there. And we thank him for his persistence because we've been in various trouble without it. The point I'm making is this. There's a place for us to get to our wholeness and our completion in him. And when we're whole and complete in that, we see our relationships differently. We see our role in relationships differently. We understand our purpose in those situations. It's not one of consumption. It's one of investment. Holiness. God chooses to set us aside for his glory. He chooses to put us in a place where he says, you know what, I love you so much, I'm going to take of who I am and invest in you. And when you live from that, you'll experience the fullness of life that I have available to you. Being whole and complete in him means my identity is defined by my substance, faith. The substance is a foundation to my influence, light and salt. If I don't have him, I can't be light and salt. People are not attracted to religion. People are not attracted to form. People are not attracted to my best efforts to look like Jesus. People are looking for salt and light. They're looking for him. And so there is a call on my life which transcends my needs and my wants and my happiness and my cushiness. Understanding that I'm here with a purpose that is beyond me, a purpose that is of him so that I can take who he is and introduce it. Purpose is found in my identity. Situations are just opportunities for influence. Stop looking for the big purpose. My encouragement to you is this. Focus on who you are. Focus on your identity in Christ. And what will happen is purpose will begin to reveal itself. Purpose is you, we encounter purpose every single day. You encounter purpose as a father. You encounter purpose as a mother. You encounter purpose as a friend. You encounter purpose when you go to work. You encounter purpose when you face the bills and the challenges that you, every day you're facing opportunities for purpose. Purpose. Sometimes we miss the ability to be able to step into purpose and realize purpose because we're looking for the grandmother Teresa of all purposes. What pleases God is not our performance, but our bloodline. That which is of him born in me. What he's saying is this. Don't put your efforts into trying to be a good Christian. Put your efforts into allowing my Holy Spirit to birth Christ in you. You will become not only a good Christian, but a powerful Christian. God looks for us to unleash our identity, not our service. Unless the works that we do are inspired by him, and unless he invites us to do those things, what ends up happening is we do good things that have no light. There's nothing wrong with being a good person. I'm a big advocate of being a good person. But because you're a good person doesn't mean you're a spiritual person. They're not the same thing. The thing about it is every opportunity that Christ has is he's looking to be able to sit and say, can I manifest myself to the world? The wonderful thing about it is he doesn't only want to manifest himself to the world, he wants to do it through you. You get to experience him. When God created us and God put us together, he was very intentional about the way it was done. You're a bridge. Say, I'm a bridge, and I'm straddling two divides. I have the Spirit of God on this side, and I have my brain and the natural on this side. And in every situation and every circumstance, my response to situations is going to be informed by one of them. 
Be intentional about allowing the Spirit of God to come in and redefine who you are. Defining moments don't often happen by accident, but you'll encounter them when you're intentional about them. Go searching for the Word. Nicodemus went searching for the Word. Understand that when you're looking for the things of God, don't approach it from your brain and your understanding. God's going to try and meet you in your heart and relationally. It's from a sense of knowing. Become proficient in God's language. Remember that what's flesh is flesh and what's spirit is spirit. What he was saying to Nicodemus was this, Nicodemus, you're on the wrong plane. Get out of the flesh is flesh plane, get out of your brain, and get into what spirit is spirit. Because when I can begin to understand that realm and I can get myself entrenched in that realm, it gives me access to the Holy Spirit and allows the Holy Spirit to do some stuff in my life that he's been looking for to do for a while. As he begins to change me and inform me, as he influences who I am, as he makes the, the fullness of the deposits of who Christ is on the inside of me, I begin to change. And who, in changing, I become a catalyst that begins to walk out my purpose. Find purpose every day. I promise you, your life is full of them. Full of them. Don't look for big things. Purpose is the opportunity to take of him and introduce it into a situation. That's why your identity is more important than the occasion. If the identity isn't there, I don't have substance to invest. Can we all stand? Father, what a wonderful, wonderful season this is. That we celebrate Jesus and the birth of Jesus. We celebrate the birth of the Messiah. We celebrate the opportunity for all that Christ came to do for us, to introduce us and reconcile us to relationship with you. I want to thank you that you've created us and built us to have intimacy with you, for us to be able to relate to you one-on-one. -on -one. I thank you for the lives represented here today. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll just begin to stir on the inside of people and move on the inside of them so that they become more and more comfortable with the spirit realm Help them to be sensitive to the language of God, a sense of knowing, looking for those things on the inside of them, being sensitive to your promptings, your inclinations, your invitations. I pray blessing over this congregation. I pray blessing over every person. I pray, Holy Spirit, for protection, for wisdom, for favor for provision. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.